Recorded live. Scuba Obsessed is the weekly podcast we talk about all things scuba diving from cool new gear, places to dive, and scuba in the news. Welcome to episode 32 of Scuba Obsessed. Uh, this week in the news, we have Scuba Divers Discover Lost Ring, viewing a Vegas casino show by Scuba. Divers go back to spring on Artifact Hunt. Fans can watch underwater scuba races around a reef. And Diver says he has found the Westmoreland shipwreck. How are you doing today, Jim? I'm doing great. I'm doing a little bit better than last week. I was a little bit under the weather. Mm-hmm. Or, or, or is that out in the weather? Oh, well, <laughs> yeah, I was out in the weather. We hit the lake for a couple of hours, caught a caught an awesome sunset over Lake Michigan. I, I hope you can forgive me. Oh, sure, no problem. Yeah, uh, Mac filled in for you, as you heard on the uh, rebroadcast, and yep. he, it yep. seemed like he had a good time, and it was nice to have him on the show and get a little bit different perspective. That's great. So let's go ahead and get this party started. We're going to go to our scoop in the news. The first one is, and I, at first I thought this might be a rehash of one we've had before, but it's kind of hard to tell. So it's Scuba Diver Discovers Lost Ring. We had that one a few weeks back where, uh, you know, he, he went, somebody had gone back looking for a ring. And then we had one a few weeks later where in a different location, somebody had found a ring uh, looking for another ring. They had actually found two. He had dropped his ring and then found a different one. Uh, this one is in Door County. A scuba instructor came across the ring last weekend, and now the owner has it back in hand. Uh, he took it to the uh, county clerk's office, and uh, it had an inscription, Love Brenda, September 19th, 1986. Uh, they did wow. some detective work through the uh, Wisconsin Public Records made a phone call to the still-married couple. Uh, the ring is uh, back. He lost it while snorkeling in Jacksonport last week, so it had only been gone for a week. Now, wait a minute. He he lost it last week. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, because wow. you expected to hear some sort of story where it had been lost for years, years and you know, on the honeymoon yeah. or something, and then here it had only been lost a week. I mean, how how amazing is that? And then you wonder, they didn't really give any details of uh, where he found it. You know, was it in a, right. like a beach area, you know, boat dock? Uh, well, he said snorkeling, so. Right. Uh, so it must have just been laying right there in the top. It fell off his hands. Yeah, because I can't imagine that a ring, unless you're you're actively searching for something, that uh, you would be able to see it unless it had been dropped within uh, a day yeah. or two. Scuba instructor came across though. the ring last week. He lost it while snorkeling in Jacksonport last week. So that kind of puts it that he lost it, and this other guy found it almost right away. So it had to just been laying on the surface, glimmering in the sunlight, and uh, got found. So, The next article is viewing a Vegas show, a uh, casino Vegas show, by Scuba. And when I do looking for 
these articles, I always have to filter out there's a band called Scuba. So at first, that's what I thought this was. And I didn't even, I wasn't even going to click on the link. But this is actually a stage show that is being put, uh, being produced where it is above water and underwater at the same time. It, uh, no matter what you've encountered while scuba diving, chances are you've never seen 14 underwater stagehands navigating 360 cues for a Las Vegas show with synchronized swimmers. And I have to say, you know, I, I didn't see any of that going on like at Gilboa. <laughs> no, you sure didn't. <laughs> you know, yeah. we we were far from synchronized. So. <laughs> right. There was some thrashing around on the water and, uh, you know, but, but no, that would... Uh... It'd be a unique glimpse at something that is, uh, well, it'd be a unique glimpse. So what I'm trying to figure out, the, the photo they show, is it's like this ringed pool where there's like a deck around it. And they've got, you know, ballet, jazz dancers on the surface that looks like two couples. And then from inside the pool, you see uh, legs with high heels sticking up. I imagine that's got to be the synchronized part. So they do have seating for uh, dry people, as they called them, above water. Landlubbers. Landlubbers. But this is this is the interesting part. If you're a scuba diver, you can watch it from underwater. They have pr uh, package pricing. It's available for Fridays and Saturdays. It starts for $2,000 for one diver or 3000 for two. But you know, the good thing is... Scuba deer, scuba gear is included. <laughs> scuba deer. Scuba well, deer. You, you know, deer. it would be interesting. Um, I'd be curious to see if how they do with this. I, I, I want. Are they doing the uh, this press release just to get some publicity? You know, basically, you know, is anybody taking them up? On the diving, if you know anybody who has done this, we'd definitely love to have them on the show. In fact, maybe we need right. to get on the phone and see if they would uh, let us interview somebody who watched the show. Uh, you know, I, I wonder if they're doing like a hooker rig. Yeah, I don't, I don't know now how this long. Is, the... Now, this is in Vegas. Uh, slow down your pronunciation of that. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't say hooker. <laughs> hooker? Isn't that how you pronounce oh, it? Yes. Yes. Yeah, okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. You got to be careful. What stays in Vegas could end up in the pool. So. Oh. The back. The take the tour of the backstage part of the show outside the pool. Dry seating. Three hour pre curtain Oh, yeah. Now the, this is the other interesting thing was you don't have to be a certified diver to do that. They'll do one of those uh, day courses, the three hour orientation session in the 20-foot tank. So it's only 20 feet. So, gosh, there's not a whole lot of room. 20-foot tank. Well, I guess 20-foot tank's pretty deep. Yeah, hmm. sure it is. Yeah, I'd love to love to have more information on this. It's just a cool, uh, you, know, you know, for a scuba diver, that'd be interesting. I don't know if I, there's a lot of things I'd be doing with two or $3,000 before I would, uh, be spending it just on one show, but certainly yeah. an experience you can't get anyplace else. First time I've I've heard about something like this. 
Yeah, I think it's all relative to the amount of disposable uh, income that you've got available. <clears throat> um, hmm. Okay, the next one is divers go back to spring on artifact hunt. This one's out of Northport, Florida. Uh, there's a 10,000-year-old ledge in a southwest Florida spring that has uh, yielded many archaeological treasures. The University of Miami down there is working from divers, working with divers from the Florida Aquarium in Tampa to hunt for artifacts in the Little Salt Springs. This has long been known as a artifact site. Uh, it was donated to the University of Miami in 1982, and people have been collecting artifacts there since the 50s. Uh, most of the artifacts are believed to be about 7,000 years old. The now, next... Florida's got some pretty uh, aggressive uh, laws regarding recovery of artifacts and things like that, right? Well, if they're gold. If if there's any value to them, they'll see it too. You know, if it's a, if it's a little wooden carved piece of stick in the mud that nobody, you know, there's no value to. Oh, yeah, you, you can keep that. I'm sure they've got some conservation laws and considering it's University of Miami. But, you know, somebody say gold coin, and I bet you they'll be right there on that. You're right. Right. So, you know, sad to say is that uh, we, we, don't, we don't protect everything with equal ambition, and it just becomes money. I mean, I, I hate to be the pessimist, but... You know, when I look at what they're doing about all these other wrecks, it's just, uh, you know, afraid somebody else making a, a dollar off it, you know, and, and no care given to the, the fact that you've invested millions of dollars out to search for it and that any archaeological value would, would never be known if there wasn't somebody out looking for some of these wrecks. But That's right. Uh, the next article is fans can watch underwater scuba divers race around reef. Uh, this is in a series of news articles we've covered this underwater scooter race seems to be doing a little bit better uh getting a little bit of traction no pun intended uh august 20th through the 22nd so this weekend there will be as many as 20 diver propulsion vehicles running laps around an artificial reef off Fort lauderdale uh, the inaugural Gold Coast Underwater Grand Prix is the second Formula H2O racing event sanctioned by the recently formed Wreck Racing League. Uh, was first was held uh, June 13th off the wreck of the Vandenberg in Key West, featuring nine scooters. Dean Vital took first place using his Pegasus Thruster, a battery-powered propulsion system that attaches the scuba tank. This is Underwater NASCAR meets Pro Wrestling, uh, according to one of the founders, Joe Weatherby. So it looks like it's picking up. They're hoping to have twice as many racers this time around. So this looks like an interesting sport. I wouldn't. I, I would love to try this out. I think it would be a blast. Um, you know, look at one of the riders or, or pilots. He's on a um, a Magnus nine fifty modified uh, scooter. Um, I think it would just be a, a hoot to try that. Well, what would be great about this is you got to think about at this point in the sport, I mean, like NASCAR, those first two to three years, 
know, nobody was watching them. There was no money to be made. But you knew that just had to be a riot because the rules weren't really set down. You know, nobody had figured out. So you, you were inventing as you went. You know, it imagine, was a work in progress. Yeah. yeah. Imagine the engineering that's going into these underwater scooters. You know, somebody's taking a little bit of here, upgrading a battery there, changing the pitch of the propeller. You know, maybe you, you change the attach point for your harness so it moves a little bit different. And then just think of uh, some of the innovations that might come out of this. You know, if you're some scooter manufacturer, I would definitely be, be sponsoring this. Uh, I'd have uh, some incentives for people to get scooters to race, maybe some trade-ins, a few sponsored teams. You're, you're not going to have the the draw that maybe you have in the larger sports. The next thing they need to do is figure out how to uh, televise this and make it exciting. I mean, you know, it has to be a little bit more than the scooter sound from the Jetsons uh, whizzing around buoys. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or or you've got, uh, you know, you need to have visibility a little bit greater than four feet. But, hmm. uh, you know, and, and this is kind of reminiscent of the sport that we never had a chance to watch as kids. But uh, I, I know our dads probably did, which was the airplane racing where they would do yeah. something similar. Yep. Well, you know, there's uh that's still big. Uh, you can catch it on uh, TV. I know Red Bull sponsors uh, some big time air races, and uh, yeah, you're right. I think it would be uh, sort of like that. Not as dangerous, I'm thinking. Well, I mean, yeah, you, if you you know crash, I, I don't think it's going to be quite as bad. Uh, depends on where you're going, but uh, maybe, maybe we'll bring this up a little later in the show because I, I even have an idea on. And how we could do something like this up here. The next article is Diver says he's found the Westmoreland shipwreck. Uh, this is a story out of Traverse City, Michigan, so it's in the Great Lakes. And this was a there's a, a ship that went down, and you've heard us talk over the last few weeks of week weeks weeks about. Uh, diving on the iron sides and you know even they have the Havana and Rockway and this is back from uh, those type of vessels in fact if you look at uh, they don't have any actual photos of the Westmoreland which seems kind of odd doesn't it <laughs> mm-hmm. that, that a boat that I don't know how many years it sailed uh, the Great Lakes but uh, for somebody somewhere not to actually have a a photo of it seems kind of odd. So they've got some drawings and it's a typical from that time. Uh, you can see they've got kind of that wood arch. Do you see the arches? Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like, uh, the iron sides, but this wreck went down in the, uh, late 1800s and had it. And there were some survivors. A lot of people died, but there was some survivors and they knew approximately about where the wreck was. In fact, some of the crew who had gotten off the boat came back to, uh, years later looking for it. And the idea was that they were going to, that there, you know, legend had built, you know, anytime anything's lost at sea or in the great lakes and it sits along the bottom, the legend builds about what's on it or what could be contained in it. And so everything from, uh, you know, barrels of whiskey to gold, a chest full of gold was thought to be contained on this wreck. So one of the past crew went looking for it, but they never, they never did find it until now. Uh, they they dove on July not 
he said not dove on July 7th, but they went out around uh, July 7th. Did I have that right? Did he dive on July 7th? Uh, um, yes. Yeah. How, how no, it go? no, that he, was when it, uh, is that when, when he saw it on the, a, yeah, on yeah, his, so uh, he, depth uh, equipment. Yeah. So Ross Richardson, he, he'd been looking for this. He's got a website and we'll post it in the show notes. Uh, let's see. What is that called? Um, Michigan Mysteries. MichiganMysteries.com. So you go to the website, and he's got uh, a whole story about the the, wreck, the shipwreck. So if you're into history, it's a great write-up on it. He's got about six or seven pages going on from different news reports from the era and what he's found out about the wreck. And they actually videotaped it. So he's looking. He finds the wreck or the blip on the radar, and it, it, it almost sounds like he knew it right when he saw that blip that he had found it. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I actually, I think we should try and get Ross on the program here. It'd be interesting just to hear firsthand, you know, about the excitement of finding the wreck. Yeah, I think that would be interesting. I mean, uh, it's not what he does for a living. No, but it's not much different than what, than what we do when we're out looking mm-hmm. he, and the difference is he had actually found one. And that, and that's good. We're they know that there's a wreck like that. Uh, mm-hmm. But right. it showed up as a blip on the radar. Uh, he and a buddy went down and dove on it, and they videotaped it. And so there's actually video proof of it. And uh, I I have no doubt that it's a genuine video. At first I was wondering, because the quality of it seemed to be a little odd. You know, it was a, They're using a little bit older video camera, so it was a little bit fuzzy. And so at first you're wondering, you know, did somebody just take a video of another existing wreck? Right. But uh, the reality is, no. This uh, I would I would say he's right. If not, he's found another another wreck that is amazingly similar in structure, which again couldn't it wouldn't be unheard of, except for uh, it seems like that would have come up in the research as another potential vessel. But uh, uh, they haven't, they've reported, it looks like they've reported it to the state of Michigan, uh, but they're not giving out the location. They'll plan on giving out the location uh, later, most likely early next year. It'd be nice that they do, because this would be one I would, I would actually go dive on. They didn't say anything about them being technical divers. And when you look at them at the end of the video, when you see him on the deck of the ship, he's in a dry suit. But it doesn't look like he's got anything exotic, does it? You know, I don't. I don't see a bunch of stage bottles all scattered about. So, uh, between the stories and the video, how deep would you say? What, what, what if you had to bet? You know, when, when we finally verify, how deep do you think this is? I, I don't know. I, I somewhere at the the bottom end of the recreational depth range, um, you know. 90 to 110 feet, maybe somewhere, but, but that's purely a guess. That, that's my thought too. I was, I was saying it was a little dark, but cameras tend to do that. It always seems to look darker on camera than it is in mm-hmm. person. Uh, there's a lot of sediment that looks like it was not the best visibility day when he went out diving. Uh, so I, 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 I have to agree. I was going to say probably 90 to a hundred feet. Uh, I didn't, just didn't get a feeling it was much deeper than that. 
so I'm going to say approximately the same depth as the uh, um, iron sides. I know up as you get north, the it gets steeper quicker or, or deeper quicker on these wrecks. Right. Yeah, it uh, it it moves a little steeper. We're at the we're at the shallow end of the pool here. Yeah. Yeah, especially if you get around Michigan City or even into Chicago, it's it's much shallower there than than it is up north. Uh, still gets pretty deep there in the middle, but uh, it, it's a nice wreck. It's still got the ship's wheel on it. Uh, the state has said something like, uh, "We're just reinforcing that you know property can't be taken off, especially with stuff that's in a preserve." So that kind of gives you an idea of the boundary it in. It must be in one of the preserve sites then. And they have to get a permit to take stuff off, and they're stressing that you, you know, that it's it's hard to get a permit. But in reality, I don't think it is necessarily hard. Uh, when we had uh, Mac on, he said that he's not aware of anybody who's actually ever been turned down for permit who's put one in. So uh, hmm. you just you just have to meet the conditions, and the conditions is that you're working with a museum that has the resources to conserve it and to display it. So that's a whole story for another time. I know that there's some controversy over what is displaying, at least us as divers. You know, how many of these museums have have pre preserved and taken stuff just to throw it in the basement where nobody ever gets a chance to see it. So, so that's it for the news. So this is the time of show we get to talk about our recent dives, which <laughs> I think, oh. yeah, I think this one this one could be a little shorter episode than we're <laughs> accustomed to. It started out with all the know, best intentions. With epic, uh, it was going to be an epic adventure. Well, yeah. So so let's. You know, did you have any before we go into the the big dive that almost was? Did uh, you have anything? Did you get any other chances to dive in or? Uh, no, I didn't. Yeah, Not I didn't. at all. And I didn't either. I was, I was trying. I had some opportunities, and then I said no. And so, but uh, anyway, I get I get a, a call, not even a call, a text message, and it was before I was even awake, so I didn't get it right away. But uh, David, who, who I'd gone diving with a few weeks before, mm -hmm. saying that he was going up the Saugatuck and was going to do a dive, and wanted to know if I wanted to come. And by the time I got it and texted him back, he must have already been going because I didn't hear anything. But then later today, he actually called me, and uh, they had scrubbed the dive. They had gotten out to the end of the uh, – they were heading out of Saugatuck, and they got to the end of the pier, and the waves are just too rough. Uh, it was about three to five is how it was reported. And wanted to see if I wanted to go the next day, and uh, he said he had already talked to Kirk, and Kirk was going to go. And I thought, you know, that sounds interesting. I said, well, what kind of boat? And he said, it's 55 feet. You know, and maybe in tropical waters, uh, a 55-foot boat isn't that big. But you know, up here, if you've got a 55-foot boat that you're running out of a river, you're it's a pretty large vessel. Uh, you can get them bigger, but that's it's not uncommon. That's like a that's a those are big boy toys. Yes. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, like a scarlet. Uh, I think he's probably got one of the bigger boats that I'm familiar with, and that was uh, his is probably high 30s, and that's a big boat. But kind of one of the things with some of these boats is you start getting them long, and they don't you don't get any deck space; it's all cabin. 
And not that I can't appreciate a, a good cabin, but uh, for me, it's about diving. I want a spot for my gear. I want to be able to get geared up, get in the water, and get out. So anyway, they this guy who he had met through somebody else had a boat. And you know, it, it, it's, it's one of those things that all the alarm bells in the back of my head are going off saying, this is too good to be true. You know, <laughs> yeah, he just... He, he likes to run the boat and he's going to go out every weekend and we're all invited and they can take up the 12. I'm like, 12, how big is this boat? And he goes, Oh, it must right. be 50, 60 feet. And I'm thinking, yeah, I, I, I'm, yeah, I, you don't, it's distance and depth and visibility or, you know, they're, they're like, uh, how big is that fish? It, it all exactly. gets, it all gets exaggerated. So, you know, the questions in my mind, is this boat really big enough to handle all the people he's inviting? I don't know the guy. Is this, is he really, oh sure. Come on the boat. Or are you going to get up there and the guy's going to look at you like, what the hell are you doing? What do you want? Yeah. Why'd you show up here? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So after cross examining David about every way possible and talking with Kurt, we said, oh, well, what the heck, we'll give it a try. So I called you up and you cleared your schedule and were able to, to make it up. Mm -hmm. So we get down to Saugatuck, we get everything loaded in the carts and we get a, a call. I mean, and, and we're like 200 feet L away from the boat. <laughs> literally, we just slammed the trunk. <laughs> we had literally slammed the trunk from unloading our gear into these transport carts. Yep. So we get the call saying uh, the dive's going to be scrubbed and we're not even going to go out. So after a little discussion, we decided, well, we'll still load everything up on the boat anyway. Maybe we'll get a dive in, uh, get out on the lake. And so we, we get to the end of the dock, and it, this is literally a 55-foot boat. It's a houseboat. Uh, the <laughs> owner of the vessel, Richard, uh, has uh, he, he doesn't get around much, so he, he uses the assistance of a, a motorized cart, so it's handicap accessible, which is why he had this boat that's all flat. But uh, right. he's an ex-paddy instructor, and he just you know loves to get out and, and motor. That's why he bought the boat. So uh, we all got in the boat. We yeah, This is the Kalamazoo River going out in the Lake Michigan out of Saugatuck. Uh, my old stomping grounds, my grandfather used to have a marina there, and I lived in that area for five or six years on that same river. So it was a, it was a pleasant revisit to uh, a location that I had known quite well. And, and actually, it's amazing how much you forget. The last time I'd probably been out that channel, I was probably 15 or 14. And... Well, you seem old then. It seems it's 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 lifetimes ago now. <laughs> <laughs> what about thirty years since I've been out yeah. there? And it's interesting just the difference in that river, or that uh, I don't know marine pier, than the other ones in Lake Michigan. Uh, at least the ones that we've been on, because we've been out of Muskegon, we, not Muskegon, uh, uh, Grand Haven. Uh, South Haven, St. Haven, yep. uh, Joe, and the ones in this other part of the lake, it's pretty much they're, they're at the river entrance. You've got marinas all up and down, packed in as tight as you can get, and you really don't go that far up. I mean, you can go up farther, but it, it starts to get a little bit more desolate. Saugatuck, uh, you know, to go back in a little bit of, of Michigan history, is originally called Singapore, and it was a beach town. And the dunes were so, I'll call them wild, but 
they drifted and literally covered the original town that was there. There was a town called Singapore. And then to get away from the dunes, they built Saugatuck a little bit farther on in. So literally how this river goes is it is it snakes up and cuts through the dunes. So you're kind of protected there. So the, the, the port or town is actually a little bit of the ways up. But I was surprised at how little development there was between the lake and Saugatuck. You know, if it had been down here, it seems like there would have been tons of docks and piers all plastered in there. Right. But they, they do have a pretty good uh, incline running down to the river. So maybe that's uh, it's not by choice. It's they're kind of forced into that, which is nice. It, it, I think it could be. Uh, I think a lot of it's just how, you know, the easiest spots to dock uh, go in first. And then you've also got Hollands a little bit farther north and you got South Haven mm -hmm. a little farther, farther south. So, you know, as property is over the years was grabbed up, it probably uh, drove how everything built up. Anyway, we, we head up through this, this beautiful channel. We get out uh, kind of between the piers, and we can see it's getting a little bit of choppy. And just as we're about to the to the end of the pier, waves started breaking over the boat. So that called it for the day. Uh -huh. Yep. Uh, we we yep. talked about uh, there's a like a I don't call it a turning basin, but a little jog there, where boats when it might settle down later will go. But uh, you know, after a little bit of jockeying for a spot there, decided to head on in. So. We certainly appreciate Richard taking us out there, you know, and that thing's got dual twin 450 horsepower motors. So, you know, that little, you know, tooling up to the lake and back was probably about 70 bucks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was, you know, it was a, it was a great ride. Uh, got to meet uh, a handful of neat new people and uh, we'll, we'll see those people again, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll have to find a, a way to get up. I know that they're talking about going up out at least the next two weekends. I don't think I'll make I'll be able to make it those. We're starting to hit. You know, we've got the uh, we've got our club dive this weekend at Gull Lake, which I'm looking forward to. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's this weekend. And I'm and I'm sure there'll be something going on the following weekend. Uh, oh, without a doubt. Yeah, I was planning on trying to do some diving during the week. I took some time off this week. But we've got the youth fair here, which my kids are all in. So if you've been following me on Twitter, uh, you're, you're probably tired of uh, horse bunny and dog talk. But <laughs> now I'm I'm interested in the uh, uh, corn dog talk. Oh, corn dog! Um, yeah, if you want to see a lovely picture, I just love the contrast of the golden brown with the uh, the the red and yellow on top of that. Mm. Nothing better than a county fair corn dog. Yeah. You know, they're, they're deep fried in that disfiguring hot oil. Yeah, well, you know, I don't worry about that too much. Mm. But uh, yeah. Just I'm going to have to make it out there and pick pick a couple it, or more. You haven't up. been out there yet? Nope. Oh, my goodness. Nope. Yep. Uh, yeah, so we're going to, that's where I'll be tomorrow morning and uh, Saturday evening. So after the dive, I'm, I'm probably going to go in. I don't even know if I'm going to be able to make it to lunch. It's... It's kind of iffy for that, but I'm definitely going to make the dive. So 9 a.m., we'll be able to get out there and, and get some diving and go late. Yeah, that's that's the plan. I'm, I'm planning on uh, having the car loaded. Now, we're not going to get there at 9 a.m. We're going to we're going to leave it, leave town at about 9 a.m., I'm thinking. 
Uh, so. the, the, the family uh, wasn't too excited about a real early departure. Well, you know, I got to think, you know, what uh, if I get up there and do a dive by the time everybody's up there and ready to eat and uh, and all of that, a lot of sitting around. So yeah. um, unless I got extra tanks and it, it's, you know, I want to make it a positive experience for all involved. So, yeah, yeah. so I'm going to get up there. I'll try and get, I don't even know if I get a second dive in. I know I'll get at least one in. Well, good. It'll be good to see you up there. Yeah. So. So any any other diving prospects? No, um, going to spend some time in a water park, but that's a, a week or two out. So. Yeah. Uh, that's about it. Yeah. I did pick up a new piece of gear this week. I got oh. a back plate and a, a harness, and um, currently hunting for a, a good wing uh, for a singles uh, setup. And uh, so I'm kind of stoked about that. And as always, the hunt for a dry suit goes on, but uh, that just keeps seems to be getting pushed back and back and back. And I think uh, about October, I'll be regretting pushing it back so far. But we'll yeah, see. I know, I know what you mean. I we're we're certainly I, I want to get some people on the show to go out and talk about dry suits. So as soon as I, I think that might have to wait till after Labor Day. This uh, I'm looking at my nights and evenings and weekends, and even though I'm off of work, I don't know where I'm going to even begin to fix time to go and do all the logistics mm -hmm. scheduling. But we definitely need to get some people on the show to talk about some some dry suits, especially as we hand to this time of uh, dry suit season. Uh, even our uh, dry suit buddies with the warm water have jumped in the wetsuits, and they start to whine when they when they get through the, below that thermocline. I don't get that. <laughs> you know, I, you know it, we we are we ice dive in these wetsuits, right? So, and again, know, it's not because we choose to. No, no. But it's not going to stop us either. No, so. that that's how obsessed we are. So we'll we'll go and dive that. But when I hear somebody who starts off. Because you start off hot, your core body mm -hmm. temperature is high, and then yeah. you go in the water, and then what the water is like seventy some degrees. Yeah, it, oh, at least. Beautiful. Yeah, I mean, there's even a chance of high seventies, almost eighty, and then you're going down. You hit the thermocline, and yes, going from high eighties to forty four, forty eight could be a little bit of a shock, but you're still in a wetsuit, <laughs> and you got some insulation on. And they they couldn't make five ten minutes. So, and and uh, we're probably uh, we're probably we need to have them on so they can defend themselves. But it's probably not that bad. <sighs> so, so that's it. Oh, and then uh, we had a club meeting this week that went off that went really well. So we're gonna have right. a new a new project that we're gonna do on the club. I head out to the Scuba Obsessed website, and I've got a video out there of the fish condos. Uh, it's uh, some concrete structures that were made in Costa Rica. Uh, they're they're doing them as an artificial reef down there. They've got a shipwreck. Uh, it looks like a small wreck, uh, probably similar to like our Havana or or something. Uh, you know, a local boat that had probably gone down, and that that divers like to dive on. And so what they did is they to extend what's there at the wreck, they decide to make an artificial reef out of concrete blocks. And just very well done. I mean, it seems, I, I, I even like it better than the idea of just uh, taking old junk cars out into the lakes or the oceans and using them as reefs. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like there's a little bit more options. And uh, so after looking at that and wanting to do something like that in Lake Michigan for a while, eventually getting to the point to where maybe we have a, a large vessel, you know, wouldn't it be nice to have an aircraft carrier or something that we can dream up oh. here? Yeah. <laughs> of course, you'd have of to course, turn. Now, some of the some of the ones that they used for training in World War II are made out of plywood, so there may actually have been some down there that are long gone. Um, well, yeah, there there are some that are, you know. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, in the absence of finding wrecks, so when we're not finding wrecks, it'd be nice to have something closer to the river mouth to dive on. So we're going to be looking into the permitting process, the approval process to get something like that started in, in Lake Michigan. So we'll fill you in on, on how that goes. Yeah, that I'm, I'm kind of excited to see. I, I, I think it'll be neat. I think so too. I, I've, I'm, I'm excited. I, I like the whole planning, engineering, you know, going through the whole process to get it up, just as long as we, we don't hit too much red tape. I mean, that's, that's kind of the fear. So I think there's a good project to start with. Uh, you know, if you can get approval to put down a, an igloo of concrete blocks, then uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have learned a lot of skills we need to go to the next step to something larger. A lot of activity going over on the Scuba Obsessed Facebook page. Head over to facebook.com forward slash scuba obsessed. A lot of discussions going on. Uh, thank you for all the kind words, some people complimenting the show. If you have any questions, go ahead and, and ask them there. We also have the forums on the Scuba Obsessed website. Not a lot of activity there, but there can be. We watch those. So if you put something in there, if you have a question, we'll we'll go ahead and answer that as, along with the comments. So a lot of different ways to get a hold of us, communicate, interact. Uh, and, and some of the best answers don't come from us. They come from the other divers out there, the, the ones who might have different experiences than we do. So uh, I, I know that we're being credited as a Midwest dive show, but uh, we talk about diving anywhere in North America or the world. So if you if you have anything you want to talk about or uh, think we should know, send us a line. You can also follow us on Twitter. We have the Scuba Obsessed Twitter account. Also, I'm Darren Jilson. And Jim is Jay Kleeman on yes. Twitter. So without with that, uh, we're on to that uh, very best part of the show. And what's that? The bad scuba oh, joke of the week. Yes, absolutely. So hide away your loved ones and children. It's time for the bad scuba joke. You ready? I am ready. Okay, a scuba charter liveaboard was traveling over rough seas when a sudden violent storm broke out. Some of the passengers on boat were extremely scared of being thrown over, so they all went downstairs. And when the big waves started throwing the ship around, there were still three divers on deck who refused to go down. After a few hard knocks, the ship was turned upside down and sank. The only survivors were, three sco- were those three scuba divers who stayed on deck, and they were washed up on a desert island. The next morning, the guys decided they would all live together in harmony, and they made an agreement to be friends. After a few days, the three had built a shelter, found some gear and fruit, and also a bottle that had washed up on the shore. One of the guys found the bottle on the beach, brought the bottle back to the shelter for all the others to see. Blaze was the smartest of the three and said they should open it. 
Jay, the strongest of three, grabbed the bottle and pulled the cork wedged tightly atop, but he couldn't open it. So Blaze grabbed the cork as well, and they pulled together, but it still wouldn't budge. Finally, Joel, the weirdest, oldest guy, grabbed a hold of the cork, and they all pulled together. Suddenly, the cork flew off into the air, followed by a shroud of smoke. When the thick smoke began to clear, the three of them stood before a huge genie. The genie said, I am the mighty genie of the bottle, and thank you, little humans, for setting me free. I will grant you each one wish. Blaze, the smartest of the three, said straight away, I want to be back at home running my own university, and everyone will see how smart I really am. And his wish was granted. Jay, the strongest of three, saw for a second, I want to be back at home running the world's largest gym, and everyone will see how strong I am. And then his wish was granted. Joel, the weirdo guy, weird old guy, sat on the beach for a few minutes thinking and eventually fell asleep. When he awoke, he saw the huge genie and jumped to his feet in fright. Old foolish man, I grow impatient. Make your wish or suffer my wrath, said the genie. The old man was scared, but angered the genie for talking to him so rudely and said, You should not talk to elderly folk like that. I wish my friends Blaze and Jay were here to kick your fat ass. Then you'd be sorry. the name <laughs> well until next time <laughs> go out there and get wet <laughs> and dive safe good night call recording has been completed oh <sighs>